0: Hello, this is Deborah Francis-White, and this is a Guilty Feminist New Normal crossover episode with me and my very special and exciting guest, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. The New Normal is a brand new show, which is on Instagram Live every day at 6pm British Summertime, and also on YouTube and in podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a show about life and feminism in lockdown from the Guilty Feminist. We hope you enjoy this crossover episode today. And now, on with the show. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminists new show, The New Normal. Hi, Deborah Francis White. Thanks for having me. It is an utter delight as always. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for coming on. First of all, how the hell are you? I'm
3: good. I've got into a rhythm. I think so. I'm feeling okay. The sun's out. There's a sort of calm in our streets.
0: Were you shocked by it at first? Are you are you an extrovert or an introvert? I feel you're an extrovert. You get your energy from other people rather than get your energy from alone time. Is that I mean, we what all the get definition of it is? It. Yeah, like an, an extrovert energy. gets their energy from other people. They need alone time, but they get their energy from other people. And introverts need society and socializing, but they get their energy from being on their own.
3: Oh God, I don't know. Actually, do you know what? I think I I genuinely think I'm not sure. I would say that I was an extrovert. But I don't feel like an extrovert when I'm being extroverted. Ah, <laughs> making any sense? I remember Amy Schumer once said she's an introverted extrovert because I'm actually really, really, really loving stopping for a bit. You know, in a that's what's so confusing this whole time because there's so much positive that has come out of this absolute tragedy. But one of them, I think, really is, is that people have suddenly become so much more aware of one another. And there's, it's been this big sort of humanizing force and Mm. to suddenly be having thought that over the last year, I've been traveling so much and been moving so much and just like, it's just go, go, go. And I wasn't sure if I, how I would feel just suddenly being at home quietly on my own, but I absolutely love it. Do you? I love the quietude. Is that a word? Mm. Quietude? It is now. It's, it's quite. It's like. It's like. A, it's like. It's like quiet with attitude.
0: Yes. Yes. It's quiet I've with intention. Quietitude. It's quiet with intention. I relate to that, and again, I'm very aware that you know this is a global pandemic, and people are dying, and I uh, I don't want to sort of make it about my silver linings, but human beings are designed or have evolved to see silver linings. That's who we are, and we need to find silver linings in order to survive. Mm. So it's okay to talk about them. Are you having a ball, Deborah? <laughs> Well, I think I've got, I I am finding exactly what you're finding. I have been rushing around London, rushing around the world for so long. And I haven't taken the time to stop and regroup because there's always another wonderful thing to do or go to or opportunity or Mm. something to create. And these, some of these things are incredible work. I've been able to do with Choose Love, Help Refugees, work I've been Mm. able to do with Amnesty International. I wouldn't take any of it back, but there's always something to fill a hole
3: Mm.
0: in your calendar. And I think for both you and me over the last few years, that's been, I think, especially true. I'm gonna say especially you, it's been a
3: wild few years. I think it's just when you have a lack of rhythm necessarily in your life whether it's so mad that you're like in the last year for both of us sounds like we both had it was just so sort of sporadic and spontaneous and mm. sort of it's spontaneous but it's also completely at the mercy of the hustle and like mm. I think when you're hustling on whatever um, scale whatever time in your life it is this constant kind of hunt or like this constant sort of run and when you do stop it's just a sort of you know water breathe <laughs> Mm. I can lock in with family, friends, and then go again. And actually what this has taught me, which people have been saying for a very long time, which is you have to make time to take stock of it all. Otherwise it's just not very healthy. Mm. And so Are I have- tired
0: now? Because I find this, I'm finding this fatigue coming over me and I think it's years of tiredness landing. Now my body is allowed to be still.
3: Yeah, I completely, um, I, I just completely sort of pass out for the first time week, maybe it was the second week actually, when lockdown began and actually just before lockdown began, the first instinct was sort of from so many people, what can we do? How can we help? What can we, how can we like mobilise? And then all of that kind of crazy energy that came from all these announcements and the realisations and that sense of falling into this kind of crazy global panic sort of thrown into that. So I think for the first two weeks, and then that's what we'll talk about anyway, for the first two weeks, it was all about the flea bag Fund. And then actually when that aired and started getting up and running after that, I just completely yeah. collapsed again. Yeah. Just got so gross and ill and, and just exhausted. Yeah.
0: Are you feeling better now? Are
3: you feeling Yeah. I really am. Also, because it's just, you said, start, I started thinking about my health in a completely different way. And because it's not only f- for the responsibility, you know, and your health is your responsibility to yourself because you're sort of like, yeah, obviously we all want to just look fabulous all the time. And that's the main reason for being healthy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, but now we have like, like if I'm not healthy, I'm putting my mum at risk or like other people at risk. And it's just been such an amazing, like amazing massive wake up call about how to look after ourselves and it's mm. not just a kind of selfish exercise, but quite literally a selfish exercise. It's much bigger than that. So I, I am i I'm like you, I'm feeling I'm seeing the silver linings and I think the social distancing thing has actually in some ways been good as well because you can't just immediately you've just got to be with yourself for a bit. You've just mm. got to be. I think that's good. Have you felt that?
0: Yes. At first I've got I... top there. Well yeah at, but at first I genuinely thought if I'm not rushing from a show to a meeting, to an event, who am I? And that was a terrible wake up call, because I thought, well, you should be able to be you at home and be still with yourself. But I am an extrovert. I get my energy from other people. So the first week it was like caffeine withdrawals. I got very bad headaches because I was withdrawing from the caffeine of humanity. Mm -hmm. And it took the second week until I was really able to start enjoying just being still and breathing and getting to exercise at the same time every day. And I think that thing for me about health, it's not so much about you know how I look or whatever, but uh, although of course, we're all women in a patriarchy and it plays into everybody's mind. It's more that I think I thought I was immortal and Mm. I didn't really think about my health very much at all because I'm not very often sick. And this has really made me feel mortal. I'm like, oh God, that for me has been like, oh, you have to take care of this. This is the furniture.
3: I think it's really forced people to examine the choices they've made in their lives. Because suddenly when your life becomes contained and small, I mean, having so many really interesting conversations with friends about saying, like what you said, suddenly realizing that they've been defined by their work. And suddenly when they're forced to have a a day-to-day existence in a small confined home that they have chosen one way or another with the people they have chosen to be closest in their lives, but all that kind of stuff, everyone's a bit like, I hadn't really looked at the map of my life in this way, or like the pieces that have been put together in this way. And I think sometimes it's been incredibly positive for people, and sometimes it's scary. Mm, completely.
0: Some of my friends are sequestered alone, and that is a really different experience. Some are sequestered with flatmates they don't know, or with a partner they're not sure about. And mm. all of those experiences are so different. Some people are desperate for alone time. It's like, oh my God, I just desperately need to be alone, and this person never goes out. And other people are like, I would see my worst enemy. I would have dinner with the most boring man in the world right now. Uh, Is there a men's rights activist I can meet? And just, we both know we haven't got the virus. Is there anybody in the world I can have physical contact with? Um, Are you completely on your
3: own? No, I'm with my sister, Izzo, and it has been the most wonderful time spent with her.
0: How nice to be bonding with your sister.
3: Oh my God, it's so nice. I couldn't imagine it like going this well with anyone else (laughs) Mm. just because I think there's that sibling thing of you just understand each other to like just we just understand each other and know each other so deeply but also know that we can just sort of go stop it that's annoying (laughs) (laughs) which is very economical about that and actually we haven't even had to pull that card it's been so nice we actually just like really lost it laughing last night because we I've been cooking and Izzo's been doing the gardening and we've got so into it and uh, we cooked last night and then we sat down and we were just sort of chatting away. And then for some reason, it just absolutely killed me that Izzo and I had been living in our little house together day in, day out, having dinner with each other, breakfast with each other, lunch with each other, just mm. having little chats in the garden and, and doing that kind of stuff for all this time. I, for some reason, we just hysterically laughed about that for, <laughs> for, for about 15 minutes because I think the idea of doing that with anyone is quite scary, but we've just, it just seems there's something just sort of quite funny about it and just so lovely. I feel so lucky to be here with her and to just, you know, spend this time together because we're normally just ships passing in the night a bit Mm. and I hear her playing the piano in the morning. She's got a piano here. It's so nice. She's writing music. Um, and
0: she did all the music for Fleabag, both the live show and the television show, didn't she? Yes, that's right. And yeah. it's a brilliant, brilliant composer. Yeah, she's yeah.
3: an absolute genius. And it is amazing. She'll do scales, you know, like oh. I can see I can hear her discipline.
0: Mm.
3: She'll be downstairs doing scales and then she'll just, you know. Just
0: do, do you ever do your actors warm up exercises you did at Rada <laughs> or your daily pages, The artist's Way? Do you ever do anything disciplined like that for your craft, Phoebe?
3: Um I don't think I've done a Rada acting warm up since Rada. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. I like the uh, there's one person that I can't remember who it was too famous, who famously just goes out on stage and goes taxi, and that's it. <laughs> ah, um, yeah. So no, I'm not Brilliant. doing any of that. Morning? Do you mean morning pages? Like when you just you just splurge?
0: Yeah, just the what's your version of scales?
3: Do you have one? Well, no. Weirdly, and sort of frustratingly. I start feeling creative and I've always had this and I'm really trying to knock it now. I start feeling creative at about two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, Mm. even if I'm really knackered. Do you have this? Yes oh god's sake and so then i'll be like oh god and then like my because i'm all, i feel like a zombie but then my brain starts buzzing so then i'll just like drag my computer onto my bed and i'll start writing and then i'll wake up the next day and i'll have like four or five pages of stuff and sometimes it's absolute bollocks and sometimes there's actually good stuff in it but so I'm, i think that's it but i'm really trying to train myself to do that in the daytime in the day
0: uh, it would be so wonderful. I wake up in the night sometimes if I'm working on a script and I go, oh, that's why he said it. That's why he said that. And I get up and I have to write it down. At least I have to get a notebook and write write it down or I will not remember it in the morning. And sometimes as you say, it's absolute 3am <laughs> nonsense. And other times it's the very gold you needed. Um, I love it I when ask? you read it it's so excited and then you are just like, "Ooh." disappointing it's it's like being high <laughs> Let's and thinking not tell anyone about that exactly <laughs> solved world peace when you're high and then you come down and you go
3: i don't know if we've solved it per se
0: <laughs> but certainly an photographs insight.
3: of yourself at a party and you remember having a great time and then you're like oh my god i was a monster <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um which leads me to the question has this quarantine given you any new i'm a feminist buts um oh my god oh my god oh my god oh is there anything that you've thought, <laughs> revelations, I'm a feminist about revelations you've had while inside, while in quarantine?
3: Well, I guess just like getting like a quarter of the way through shaving my legs and then going, oh, <laughs> oh what was <am> <laughs> it? What's the point? Oh, <laughs> and then what's the point anyway? That's an um, interesting
0: I'm a feminist, because that's a sort of reverse I'm a feminist, but that's a sort of revelation of why do we do these things? So I'm dying to shave my legs. I usually wax them.
3: Do
0: and you? I love a smoothie. Yes, yeah, so that isn't
3: a proper I'm a feminist, but I've got to think of one. Let me think of one while we're talking.
0: So I ask everyone on the new normal every day, is there a piece of online feminism or activism that you would like us to help you with that we could get behind as a guilty feminist community? Is there something anything you're doing that we could get on board <laughs> well, with? Funny you ask that, don't <laughs> really? Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm yes, charming. Uh... I'm an unqualified delight, Phoebe. <laughs>
3: Um, yes, there absolutely is. I would love to rally the guilty feminist um, troops, who, if they cross over into Fleabag fans, might find there might be a
0: few in diagram. Something,
3: something in this for them. Fleabag, the TV show, was originally a play. It was a one woman show. It lasts seventy minutes, and it's just me being flea bag on a stool. That I wrote in two thousand thirteen, which Deborah knows a lot about because she was responsible for me writing the first ten minutes of it.
0: I'm always very clear to say when I'm asked in the press about it that I am a hundred percent sure you would have written it anyway. You might have written something slightly different, but that was bursting to come out, and I'm sure it would have come out. But I'm also obviously delighted and thrilled that it came out of that that moment, and you know it, that. There's always magic and midwifery in the theatre. There's always, always.
3: There is magic and midwifery. I love that. Um, The long and short of it is the National Theatre live recording of Fleabag, the West End production of it, is now up and can be watched on Soho Theatre On Demand website or on Amazon Prime for a minimum donation of £4. And everything we make will... Split between various charities, the National Emergency Trust, NHS Together Charities, and Acting for Others. And finally, there will be a Fleabag Support Fund for people in our industry who basically are struggling and need grants to help them get through this time. 70% goes to the National Emergency Trust and the NHS Together Charities, and 30% goes back to our theatre community through those other charities, which is very important to us because it's where Fleabag started in the first place.
0: So If you liked Fleabag, the television show, it's wonderful to see the evolution. And also, you don't just play Fleabag in that, you transform yourself into the other characters, and it's so beautiful. Uh, So if everybody who listened to The Guilty Feminist who could afford four pounds or more downloaded that today, that would provide so many pieces of protective clothing for our NHS staff. It will save lives. And if you can't afford to, that's okay. It's possible you've lost your job, or you're one of the very people who works in a sector that needs this kind of grant. You can help by just amplifying. Give it a follow. Give it a retweet. Tell a friend. Tell somebody you know who loved Fleabag. Hey, did you know that you could do this? And I really appreciate you doing that because that's a, it's, you know, it's a valuable piece of intellectual property and a beautiful production and the fact that you're now putting it out there and making it accessible also through the crisis when people are at home desperate for feeling like they're at the theatre again, to be able to have that theatrical experience, which is different than a televised show.
3: Um, So, The very first feeling of performing Fleabag was incredibly intimate because it was a very small theatre and I don't move around very much. I think I stand up twice, Mm. three times, which is obviously exhausting. Um, So it's very still and it's very much about the power of Fleabag's psychological control over the audience by how she tells her narrative, how she tells her story. And so it's a bit more of an intense experience, I think, in the the theatre. And there is something sort of magical about knowing that it's going into people's living rooms and it's into people's bedrooms or, Mm. you know, and it feels like it's a real one-on-one conversation between Fleabag and her audience, which is... Which is never with the TV show. It was a world. It was what maybe one person watching it at a time, but they got to see the whole world. And in the play, it was just Fleabag, but it would be a whole audience. And this is the only time it actually just, it's actually just—it's just that one person talking to that one person. So there's something really lovely about that. And actually, I can I imagine say, now
0: people in their in their beds with their laptops, the way that Fleabag was in her bed with her Obama laptop. It's sort of like a lovely <laughs> well, steady. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to imply that. I did. I just realised what I've said there. It's not what I meant. I'm a feminist, but I think I've just said. And listen,
3: by all means, it's for charity, guys.
0: <laughs> if you are going to do that, could you donate another four quid? Oh
3: My gosh, you can't. Um, you can't have that
0: experience for the
3: initial. Can you imagine four quid. how much money we'd raise if we actually genuinely asked people, not in that circumstance, but if people if we just asked people? To, yeah. if there was like a jar. Anyway. If
0: there was a, like a wankathon throughout the yeah, you have to donate every time you masturbate through the quarantine oh my god we'd raise so much money <laughs> so much all we'd have was money at the
3: end <laughs> i mean most people couldn't afford it oh, um but it's important for me to say as well that this actually has come from the whole fleabag creative team and a lot of them you know had work cancelled and theater themselves this year and it's really where this whole thing started is where our own theater community when the, all the theatres closed, we just started hearing from all of our friends. Like they had no idea what was going to happen. Their prospects for the rest of the year had just completely diminished. So it started thinking, how can we use freebag to help our own community? And then when we realised the potential scale of this and how much money we could make, if we could engage the same number of fans that the TV show did, then we could make a, a massive difference to society as well as our own community. And every single person on the creative team and all of our producing partners and everyone have waived their fees and all their royalties for this, um, knowing that this wouldn't be anything that we would necessarily have ever done. But this idea, everybody everybody leapt at it and everybody was so desperate to get it out there. because. And also the two main conversations people seem to be having, the two things dominating the spheres of conversations were, how do we entertain people and how do we raise money Mm -hmm. in this time? And so we felt incredibly lucky to have something in our back pocket that we thought might be able to do both. So... I hope it does.
0: Just a quick break in the podcast to say that we have Patreon now. Because we used to be able to sell tickets to live events, we never asked the audience for help before. But now in order to keep making the podcast, we need your help. If you join our Patreon from as little as £2.50 a month, you'll get some extra content and goodies and our everlasting appreciation. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash guiltyfeminist. I'm also making cameo videos and all the cash from that goes directly to Choose Love, Help Refugees. If you go to the Cameo app or website, you'll see lots of comedians and actors there making birthday videos. Congratulations. Thank you videos pep talk videos, anything like that. If you wanted to reach out to a feminist in lockdown who needs some encouragement or a nice present and you can't reach them because of social distancing, a cameo video can make all the difference. So let me know the details of the friend that you'd like me to say, I'm a feminist but too, and I'll make a very special message for them. And that means you'll be choosing love for your friend and also for help refugees. I've just guested on a couple of other podcasts lately One I mentioned before when I was talking about opening up my relationship to explore bisexuality, it's You'll Do by Catherine Bohart and Sarah Keyworth, and it's a podcast on BBC Sounds. They are a couple and they interview couples and they interview Tom Selinsky and me about our relationship. And mostly it's about how our relationship works, but also there's some sort of coming out going on there as well. If you're interested, it's a really, really lovely show. You'll Do on BBC Sounds or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also a guest on this week's Grown-Up Land. The new format of Grown-Up Land is absolutely exceptional. Please tune in to hear Sophie Duker, Heidi Regan, Ned Sedgwick and Steve Alley explore the grown-up world. Uh, This week, the theme is The One and I unpack a little bit more on my views on relationships in general and mine in particular and some recent developments within it. I hope you enjoy that too on BBC Sound's Or internationally, wherever you get your podcasts. I also did a letter from quarantine, which you can hear because I read it out or you can read at tortoisemedia.com. And I think Steve Alley's got one coming out this week too. Steve wrote an incredible article about the parallels between the refugee experience and the lockdown experience on the British GQ. And you can read that too, just give it a Google. And finally, if you're looking for things to read while in lockdown, uh, the Guilty Feminist book is available as an ebook. It's available as an audio book. And it's available as a real live book. So buy it from someone who pays their tax. And now, back to the podcast.
2: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.
0: Can I, to contrast this, ask you, have you had, because this is clearly an up moment when you collectively thought of this and decided to put it into action. And this is a piece of, you know, activism. Activism always makes you feel good because it's intention. Mm -hmm. Have you had any low moments through the quarantine or since COVID-19 became a reality where you felt sort of low or desperate? I ask this every day on The New Normal because people tend to be live streaming They're up moments. Of course, we're human and people are on Instagram live streaming themselves making margaritas in funny hats and screenshots of them having drinks with their friends and learning origami and the ukulele. And whenever we talk about this, the listeners always say, thank God somebody else has had a low moment because we can't see those. No one is live streaming themselves crying under their duvet or thinking, is life ever going to be what it was again? Have you had any moments like that that you feel you could share?
3: I have, but I think they're always, you know, it's hard when you feel so lucky to sit in them that long. I think I do become very active in a sort of, in a crisis mm-hmm. <laughs> naturally. Um, and I think that may be some way of escaping the reality of it somehow. And I think when we first were discussing, when me and, you know, the other bag members, the play we're discussing what was happening to people in the theatre the moment we put the ball into motion to help and to do this bag Fund and it took up so much time and took up like and it was so exciting because we really felt like we were doing something And as you say that positive energy that you can actually put out there mm-hmm. and feel like you could help makes such a difference and then once we finally got it to the launch day and it went out and then we had a few days of quiet I think all that feeling before that I'd sort of slightly packed away of what does this mean and where are we heading and what does this mean for families and just being so aware of the surrealism of it and the loneliness of it really piled on for like a couple of days. But I think I find it really, I find it hard to talk about because I do have that slightly like buck up. You're so lucky attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think also because, you know, I've been driving toward the time when I needed to stop and be quiet and I'm a freelancer. So my time isn't spent hugely differently from like being at home, working at home, writing at home. And then, you know, these stretches of time, obviously like traveling and like the madness of the last year is separate. But so I feel actually that this is a really good time for me mentally because I get to write. I get to not have to leave the house six times a day, like running every single time to try and be in places that I'm not even sure are that important you know, (laughs) and to actually just take stock and remind myself what I want to write about and what I want to think about.
0: On that front of things that aren't really that important, do you think there are any habits that we will take forward post-quarantine and post-COVID into our daily lives? Do you think you will run at such a pace or do you think you'll say, actually, could this meeting on the other side of town be a Zoom call? Do we have to always be there? Do you think there's anything you'll change or that people will
3: change? I Do you feel think we'll like... go
0: back to shoving our
3: legs? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I think we should just go to like plaiting them instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think the moment I'm allowed to go and see a friend and hug a friend, I think I'll be over Zoom and I will be so out there and so ready. I'm so ready for hugs. I'm, so, oh, ready I'm for, so ready for so for just yeah. going and seeing different parts of London again. And just, I really miss Soho. I fucking love Soho. I tell you what I'll definitely keep. I'm really trying to remember how important it is to like book in that time for you to be on your own and also to look at the community around you and actually find ways to exist in the community. I think the whole cooking thing really has blown my mind because I've always been a bit intimidated by cooking. I think I can cook the basics, but I'm now just learning how, like, what the foundations of so many dishes are. I mean, it's been Mm. so exciting. I've got to know the three cats in our neighborhood pretty well. There's the good cat, bad cat, and mystery cat. Oh, please tell me more about that. (laughs) Bad cat, I don't think, is a cat. I think it's a bad man in a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see. Anyway, so he comes into our garden occasionally and just, he's just got this cold, look in his eye and he will just look and he put he gives me the chills and he gives Izzo the chills as well and then he'll suddenly just walk very very directly towards you and sort of hit you with his tail Mm. and then sometimes he'll just walk upstairs into into our house walk upstairs into um, Izzo's room once Izzo woke up and he just had his head coming through the tiny crack in her window just his head patriarchal cat we found him in the bath wow and we opened the shower well I actually, wasn't there is it open the shower curtain i feel like i was there she took photos and he doesn't ever jump or anything he literally just looked at her like why would you ever walk in on someone in the bath like she was the <laughs> bad cat and then good cat turned up who's this gorgeous flirty flitty little thing and uh i think it's also a boy and um does lots of sort of um adorable things like rolls around and wants you to scratch its tummy and all that kind of stuff but then also Every single day at the same time comes to our garden, waits for us to come to the kitchen, and once one of us is there, usually Izo, will suddenly lock eye contact and squat and we. Oh. The whole way through eye contact. Enjoys voyeurism. I guess so, yeah. Um,
0: so that's sort of kinky good
3: cat. Kinky good cat, yeah. Yes. So, Every so good cat patriarch- is a kinky cat. patriarchal bad cat. And kinky good cat. A very entitled patriarchal bad cat, kinky good cat. And the mystery cat is- mm. um, The one we've all been waiting for. Yes. Is this sort of- Cliffhanger. <laughs> yes. He's this black cat. He's sort of always like in a leather jacket with a cigarette, Who kind of just like sits on the end of the garden fence and uh, he never gives anything away, but there's always mm. something slightly like that you feel like it's the whole reason he's prowling is because of you. Mm. But you know, it's not really because, you know, he's, he's like that with everyone. James Dean. James um, Dean cat. He's a James Dean cat. Yeah. He's, oh, wow. Yeah. He's kind of sexy. And he'll go and he'll like climb halfway up a tree and just like look at the bird. He won't do anything to the bird. He'll just look at it. And then the bird gets all flustered, just like we all do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> do you have any hope for humanity that's come from this time
0: that you think we might as a globe learn something?
3: Do I think there is so much to have been learned to have been taught by this? I think if we don't come out better, then we are more moronic as a species than I could ever have imagined. Mm. I mean, I feel like I am a better person in the community Mm. and more engaged, and I am really enjoying that and making sure that you know if your neighbours have what they need or if you can help in any way. I think all planes should be landed for a couple of months every year. We that's just a good idea. Deal with it. It's actually it's not a... my idea. I totally stole that idea, but I love it as an idea.
0: That's a good idea. So, you know that you cannot travel for those three months yeah, unless it's an emergency that someone's dying or something. I, my thing is, you should only fly to see people you love. No one should what fly for a what...
3: conference. <laughs> All right. I was going to say, but what if, you're, what if you're flying to someone who you might love? Oh, you can fly, so fly a... if you fancy. What if the flight was the, oh, the,
0: the deal breaker? Oh, that's. Well, I think you need to establish. You know your intentions—a bit like more like a Victorian heroine. She's not going to be courting a man that she doesn't have serious intentions for. Now they might not work out, but she has to have serious intentions. You don't fly—don't fly for a fling.
3: Oh, you're not—you're not buying that. She's not buying that. No, I—I I absolutely. I just think going for the <laughs> going for romance first is just quite harsh. <laughs> I'm just listen. You're like, train for a fly. fling. I train, think, train for a fling. But I think, yeah, business meetings, obviously, they're very important to be done in person, but we now know that it can be done on Zoom. Everybody that's knows what I'm that. Saying. That is undeniable truth. Undeniable. I think you have to show a specific interest in a country and that you want to go and learn about their culture. <laughs> <laughs> or you want to go and do something. I mean, I don't know. Or go and travel. Because I do think it's important I think for people to be ought- able to travel, but I think we just need to limit it.
0: I agree. And, just know and that- half the planes, because we will all be able to pull back from this and go, I didn't need to go there. Actually, that I did need to do. And I think if we had half the planes year round and three months of the year, you don't get to go anywhere. I think oh, it's a great I'll, idea. I don't tell you, him. <laughs> I don't know who you nicked it from, but I love it. Um was it Mystery Cat that came up with that? Oh god, it was bad cat. Oh now I'm a bad cat. Oh my god. It's devastating. Bad cat so often has a good idea. I
3: know.
0: Um what are you surprised by either in yourself
3: or in the way society is responding? I think having gone from the absolute like horror of the stockpiling situation and being so like furious at that and being like, the how people can people we be emergency shopping or. Yeah, yeah like shopping and also just knowing just like even with all the reassurances that actually there'll be people who can't do that and that just take what you need and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And like that kind of like that self just was just so infuriating. I think now all the stockpilers got their stock when well, they all went away mm. <laughs> and everything's just, bened. it's the calm and cordiality. And especially in this little area here, everyone sort of says, it's just incredibly polite, gentle. Everyone's very sort of sensitive and super aware of each other.
0: I can hear birds names. now in London all the time because there's no yes. traffic.
3: Yeah, and apparently all the blackbirds can hear each other's mating calls now, which they wouldn't with all the all the planes before. And so there's just going to be a hell of a lot more baby blackbirds.
0: Rats um, are struggling though, apparently. Why? Because rats live on urban rats live on the scraps of people's sandwiches and, uh, oh, and the things they find based. in bins and their restaurant paste. They're ratatouille, and they are now having wars and they're eating each other. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Great news on blackbirds, poor news on rats. Uh, they've got no- are These sewage wars. Yeah, very much so. Have you seen it? <laughs> I have not, but I've heard tell of sharks and jets amongst the rats. They're now doing full dance sequences, full angry dances, <laughs> And they are saying, where is my discarded pret half a sandwich that I used to live on? Where is the end of a milkshake? Where is, where is, where is? And of course, we're not doing that anymore.
3: And as you say, and all the probably restaurants saying one, and, and they're probably having to stockpile themselves. They're probably one rat per house now.
0: I suppose so. I mean, I I wonder if they've got enough loo paper. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard of a king rat? I think so. Is it one that dominates and do others bring the things to him? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Tell me about the king
3: rat. I just want you to have a little Google at this. Oh, just God. king rat. And anyone listening Google King Rat, it's when loads of rats are living in such close proximity that their tails get tied together in a knot that they can't get out of. And sometimes they can have up to like 16 rats. And so they have to move as one.
0: Oh, I do not want to see footage of that because I have to. I'm going to send you a video.
3: Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) I'll call it like, me and it cooking. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs)
0: What are you desperate to do finally? If they said quarantine's over right now, you can go do anything.
3: What are you desperate to do? Hug my mum. Oh. Without question. That was actually the, when you asked me before, like what was the sort of toughest time? It was actually when I went to go and drop food off at my mum's for the first time. And it was sort of early enough for it to still to be a bit like, ooh, what's going on? And But we knew we, we had to stay two metres apart from her. But leaving the shopping there and then having to distance and then seeing her and crucially not knowing when that was going to end. Sometimes having rules like the three weeks, even if it extends, at least you know in three weeks you know, that rhythm is quite useful. But at the very beginning, knowing that she's just standing opposite mum with this shopping she's having to wear these gloves to open the shopping that we've got her and we can't hug her and stuff. And she was just like, mum's so strong and such so got a great sense of humour about everything. And We all sort of looked at each other, and that was the saddest moment of it all. Actually, just going, God, I just miss hugging my mum.
0: And we don't know when we might hug again. Yeah, when Steve, Mm. who lives with us, went to the country to stay with friends, the full lockdown hadn't been announced. And I really felt desperate because I was like, we were saying things like, well, you can come back and we can go there. And as long as we're both self isolating, it's going to be okay. And, but we knew that. There was going to be a lot. You could feel it. We could feel that we yeah. were kind of lying to ourselves, and that actually we didn't know when we'd see each other again, and we didn't know when we'd hug again. And there was something about the whole history of his life as well that just made it so poignant. And I, I wept like some kind of Victorian heroine on a chaise long in mourning <laughs> when that happened. Oh, and I was like, yes. and it's just that those moments that you know, you just you know something big is upon you, and mm-hmm. you know that. You're saying goodbye to somebody and, you know, I've been very lucky in my life that I haven't had very many of those moments where I thought, I don't know when I'll see you again. Actually, probably when I left Australia and I didn't know when I'd see my family again and, and didn't see them for a long time, for years. But it's that's your choice. It's different. That's your choice.
3: Yeah. My sister was talking to somebody about the importance of digital distancing as well, making sure that you get some space from the digital stuff because actually – having been in touch with so many people at the beginning and and family and friends so intensely at the beginning all on zoom i actually find it if we have like a big zoom thing the come down of that afterwards is now sort of sadder than it was Mm. a couple of weeks ago because i actually feel like it's better to keep it on a kind of just relaxed, like not that kind of, I don't know. It's just not to just rely too heavily on. Mm, I keep getting scared of what happens if the wifi goes down. Well, yeah.
0: But I'm also yeah. thinking about it in terms of feminism that feminism is a grasp for control. That's what it is. It's a demand for more control over our bodies, over our representation, over legislation, over our space in the world. And at the moment it feels like We've lost control over the smallest things that we had, like how many times a day we're allowed to leave the house legally over whether or not we can get certain types of food over when and where we can do things over. We've lost control over being able to hug our own mums and sisters and best friends. How can we feel we can take greater control over the way the world works right now? I think we might get back to local feminism because of this and rather everything being global in petitions, uh, But also the other side of that is I can go online now and I can affect change. I can argue that Nazanin zagari Radcliffe should never go back to prison now because she's been allowed out because
3: of COVID-19. I know, it's extraordinary. I think in terms of the control now, because we know it's for the greater good, the things we're being asked to do, it has a, a good energy to it. So even though it's frustrating, even though you can't leave your house legally for more than an hour, the way that I've been fixing it in my brain is, okay, we've all just got a job. We've just got a job to do. And yes, our job is slightly weird now, which is don't leave the house, (laughs) but it's still an active job. We can still do it to help the bigger picture. And our job is to be able to keep in touch with our friends in ways that we've not really done before, like with Zooms or writing each other letters or whatever it is. And it's our job to just check in on our neighbours. And actually, if we keep doing our job well, we'll all be okay. And so whenever I start feeling... Sort of a little uh, restricted or freaked out by the limitations of our lives. I just remind myself, oh no, it's just an active job.
0: Uh, yeah. Phoebe, is there anything else you would like us to watch, look at, read?
3: I watched Unorthodox on Netflix, which I thought was brilliant. Did you see oh, that?
0: God, yes, because that really chimes with a lot of my experiences. Because it's about being in a cult. It's based on the memoir of a woman who had that experience and was had an arranged marriage as a teenager and had no experience of sex and how the patriarchal control. Um, Of How pressed she felt. How pressed she felt. And and of course, this is an experience that people from many, many extreme religions, uh, by no means just Judaism, but myself included, have experienced this. And I I turned to Tom while watching it and just said, I don't know if you know this, but the first time I knew that penises became erect was when I saw one in bed. And he said, I do know that, darling, because I edited it when you said it in the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was revealing something very deep about myself, and I never told anyone. And of course, at some point.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he, he is here all the time, listening to the podcasts.
0: <laughs> he yeah, it not be here
3: I don't remember no, ever we, telling we wouldn't that. We would be on here without podcast. him. Yeah. No, uh, that's indeed. so funny. That's so funny.
0: It is also very poignant about the male experience of being in such a cult. It's about power structures. It is not simply about all women being oppressed and all men being oppressive um so i think it's a very very feminist piece of work is there anything else other than orthodox that you've been reading or looking at that you'd like us to my
3: friend gave me a book called all my friends are superheroes have you read that no all my friends are superheroes by andrew kaufman it's a short book and a beautiful read and she gave it to me actually on point um as my shah my stage manager for Fleabag, gave it to me like the opening night in the west end and she just went you're going to love this book. And I just did. I don't want to give too much away about it because I didn't really know anything going into it. But if you want a sort of uplifting, but sort of incredibly poignant book that makes you this, I I don't want to say too much. I mean, so I just love that. Okay,
0: I will be checking out the book All My Friends Are Superheroes and I don't want to hear any more spoilers about it because it's going to give away (laughs) some brilliant twist. But I feel that Mystery Cat wrote it.
3: <laughs> uh, maybe that's what Mr. Cat's been trying to get at this whole I time. I suspect
0: so. Phoebe, it has been so wonderful, as always, to spend time in your company. Thank you for sharing so many of your quarantine insights with us. And Thank you. we will support as a community Fleabag the live show, which we can now download at the Soho Theatre website. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for not taking any royalties. Thank you to the whole Fleabag team. And we all look forward to sitting and having that theatrical experience. Yeah. It's like a night out.
3: It is. Can I also just uh, clarify that it's also on Amazon Prime for your American listeners. And oh, thank you. On Soho Theatre On Demand website, you can also watch it internationally from like so many other countries, it's extraordinary. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to um, translate the play into the subtitles. But so, if you speak English and can afford £4 pounds from wherever you are in the world, please check it out on the Soho Theatre website. And the US is Amazon Prime. And we've actually just announced that we're extending it to the 31st of May. Oh, wonderful. So, we've got some more time. Yeah.
0: Great. Phoebe Waller Bridge, thank you so much for coming on The Guilty Feminists, The New Normal. A bigger round of applause for Phoebe on a bridge. Yay! That's just from me and Tom, but you can applaud at home too.
3: The TV show was originally a play that I did in 2016 at the Edinburgh Festival, which you obviously know about because that wasn't
0: 2016 at the Edinburgh Festival. That was like 2013. (laughs) In a very real way, how do I know more about the history of Fleabag than you do? Okay, I'm often asked. (laughs) I'm often asked, actually, and uh, so maybe I have the encyclopedic, Wikipedia (sighs) knowledge. That's um, hilarious. Take it from here. So so 2013, you took a show to the Edinburgh Festival.
3: Okay, can I just do that whole little bit again? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. Yep. we we'll are pick okay. it up. I don't think I've ever said the long and the short of it in my life before either. No. And now I'm saying it for the third time. This. Okay. Okay. So the long and short of it is that the TV show of Fleabag was actually... A huge
0: thank you to the amazing patrons who have supported this podcast at the Smash the Patriarchy level or above. Valerie Ma, John Koi, Sarah Boom, and Sarah.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.